Now we've considered the agony of our Lord in the garden and how our sins made our Lord suffer so much in that agony. We talked about how we should examine our own conscience to see what part our sins have played in our Savior's sufferings. And after the agony in the garden, our Lord was then led to Pilate to be condemned to death. Pilate strived to free our Savior, but the Jews kept crying, crucify him, crucify him. Now, we should consider how our sins have offended an all-good and loving God. When we look at the passion death of Christ, we get a good idea of how much Christ, the God-man, suffered for us because of sin. And so now we will specifically consider our Lord's scourging and crowning with thorns, which took place during Pilate's judgment of our Lord. This scene, the scourging and crowning of our Lord with thorns, gives us a real idea of how our sins and misdeeds made him suffer. And then how we should be moved to have a true sorrow for our sins which is the second step in making a good confession. The scourging of the pillar is the bloodiest and most gruesome incident in our Lord's passion. Now, when our Lord was brought before before the Romans for trial, Pilate tried to release him. But each attempt, the Jews insisted that he be crucified. And so Pilate then decided upon something drastic to move the Jews. And this was to have Christ scourged. He thought that the sight of Jesus, bleeding and torn from the scourges, would move the Jews to pity so that they would spare Jesus' life. And therefore, after Pilate told the Jews that he found no cause for Jesus' death, he said, I will chastise him therefore, and let him go. And so he promptly had Christ scourged. Now the scourging among the Romans was the most shameful of punishments, and so it was reserved for the slaves and the worst of criminals. According to the revelations of St. Bridget, our Blessed Lady was also present at the scourging. And so she, his Immaculate Mother, witnessed this scene of horror and hatred. In fact, she witnessed all of our Lord's passion in order that she could take part in it and thereby become the co-redemptrix. God willed that she be present, and so they both endured this pain for the love and salvation of our souls. Now, Our Lady told St. Bridget that our Lord, after being led to the column, she said her son personally removed his own garments. In continuing, she told St. Bridget, He himself placed upon the column his own hands, which his enemies then tied mercilessly to it. And according to Cornelius Lapide, the great scripture scholar, one reliable source says that Christ was scourged first with the rods of thorns and then with cords tied with, with iron balls. And finally, he was scourged with chains made with hooks. And now we can see the soldiers lining up to begin their torture. 
after choosing their weapons. We can see the soldiers coming forward, their gaze of hatred fixed upon Jesus, who is silent as he awaits the punishment. Just imagine this scene. In turn, they strike our Lord on his back, his chest, his legs, giving him no rest between blows. With each stroke, our Lord's body shudders. His back has become a mass of livid marks. Blue and purple bruises show beneath the skin. Those who had condemned Jesus to death stand by cheering on the soldiers, shouting their encouragement to them. Their delight is obvious as the flesh is stripped from our Lord's sacred body. Our Lady told St. Bridget, I who stood apart not far, not far off, saw my son's body beaten and scourged to the very ribs so that his ribs could be seen. My son was completely bloodied so that no sound spot could be found in him, nor anything left to be scourged. The blow after blow continued, cutting deeper and deeper into his skin. Christ's blood begins to flow freely down his body and his legs, which are torn and bleeding. Our Lord's most precious blood pours out, for his skin is shreds hanging from his most sacred body. The entire area of Jesus' back has become unrecognizable mass of torn flesh. The iron balls have caused deep grooves, exposing a bloody, bloody mass of muscle, body, and tissue. After some time, Jesus' strength begins to fail. And finally, it is over. Jesus is untied and collapses to the ground. Some say that Christ received 5,000 blows, 5,000 strikes, inflicted upon him in the scourging. And from so many lashes, Christ would have died, naturally speaking, had not his divinity sustained his life. But our Lord did not die so that he could suffer many more things, and finally to be crucified to prove his love for us, and to show us how horrible sin is, and what an offense it is to an all-good God. After this, our Lord was scourged, the soldiers took Jesus and brought him into the courtyard of their fortress. The soldiers began to hold a mock coronation of our Lord. They heard the charge against him that Jesus claimed to be king of the Jews. The soldiers then made a crown of thorns and pressed it into his head. To make him look more like a king, they threw a purple robe across his shoulders. And then they begin to mock him. Kneeling down, they begin to salute him, as St. Mark writes in the Gospel, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with a reed, and they spit upon him. Now these thorns that made up his crown were from a bush which has very long and very sharp thorns. Cornelius Elapide says that they were as long and sharp as thick needles. The crown itself was put upon our Lord's entire head, like a crown, like a hat. 
and then forced down by the soldiers as they pressed it into his scalp. It was revealed to St. Bridget that the crown came down to the middle of Jesus' forehead and that some of the thorns pierced through the skull and even penetrated into his brain. Now just imagine this awful, how awful it must have been to see our Lord and our lady who had to witness this, her own son with so many wounds. And so Christ, thus scourged and crowned with thorns, was then brought to Pilate. And Pilate then displayed him to the Jews. Our Lord looked so pitiable after the scourging and crowning that Pilate thought for sure the Jews would be satisfied and they would let Jesus go. Pilate had hoped to excite the compassion of the Jews in seeing Christ scourged almost to death. But the Jews, even more enraged, obstinately demanded, Crucify him, crucify him. Pontius Pilate then delivered Jesus to the Jews to be crucified, and thus he was the judge who sentenced and condemned him to the death of the cross. My dear faithful, imagine our Lord standing there at the judgment seat of Pilate, being scourged and crowned with thorns, and then thus see the price of man's sins. See what our sins cost our loving Savior. For Christ wished by this scourging to atone for the evils of lust, concupiscence, and the most serious offenses. We are guilty and we deserve this treatment. The Son of God did nothing to deserve this torture, but he suffered that we might be spared. It was the enormity of our sins that brought this misery upon Jesus. And it was especially for the sins of the flesh, sins of impurity, that his most pure flesh was torn and bleeding. It was the immorality and impurity that is rampant today. And to forgive these sins, to pay the price of our debt, the Son of God willed to suffer these bitter torments. He thinks of each one of us, hoping that this scourging will move us to love him in return, to be truly sorry for our sins, which cause him so much pain and suffering. It was as if, with every stroke of the scourging, he was looking at each one of us and saying, Is it enough? It is, a, is it enough to make you love me? To be sorry for your sins, to strive to sin no more. And then when he was completely covered with wounds and blood, and the scourging was almost over, he again looks at us and asks, Now is this enough? For there is nothing more that I can do to prove my love to you. How horrible is this scene to imagine? And yet, it only gives us a slight glimpse of how evil sin really is. Seeing this sight and imagining our Savior asking us this question, we should be moved to have the greatest sorrow for our sins. His flesh was torn to pieces so that it was even hanging off of him. Our Lord was one great wound. He was covered from head to foot with sores and cuts. 
And so we should contemplate this scene whenever we go to confession. We should see our Lord and Savior being scourged and crowned with thorns, or see him hanging upon the cross with all those many wounds, his na- ha- the nails in his hands and feet. And by remembering these scenes, we will be moved to have a true contrition for our sins, a sorrow that is real and supernatural, one that, one that makes us resolve never to sin again, to avoid the occasions of sin. Such meditations as these will help you to go bravely in spirit and in humility to make a good confession. If we are really humble and sincerely sorrow, sorry, our sins will infinite, which are infinitely displeasing, will be infinitely displeasing to us because they offend such a good God. But it will be the most refreshing and peaceful to you to accuse yourselves of them of your sins in confession. Because in so doing, we honor God. And it is always reassuring to fully tell your sins to the priest, the physician, when you tell him all the details of your pain. And thus, you will gain the greatest peace in your confession by contemplating these most horrible and gruesome scenes of our Lord's passion and death to move you to a true sorrow for sin.